First John chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 7. We're going to read through, I think, 19, but I reserve the right to change that in the moment. So, First John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, if you guys want to start turning there. We're talking about being a steward. Steward is simply the responsibility that we have to manage all of the resources of life that God has given us for the purpose of glorifying God. Not to glorify ourselves, but for glorifying God. Today, we're going to talk about being a relational steward. I think one of the biggest things that we can do right now in our current climate, in our society, we look around, we look at our neighbors, we look online, we look on social media, we look at all these things. One of the best things that I think we could do is look to God and look to Scripture on how to be a good relational steward. We need to strengthen our relationships. We've got some disconnection. A good relational steward is measured by how well they love. I just want to say a good relational steward is measured by how well they love. So today we're going to talk about two things. Before we jump into 1 John 4, I want you to know we're going to talk about two things. That being a good relational steward requires, number one, being loved. And number two, being loved. Being loved and being loved. Let's read 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Let's establish right away that God is, in his very existence, God is the definition of love. That God cannot get out of loving. It is who he is. He embodies it. He's displayed it. He's shown it. And we're going to look at some of that today. But I want to establish first and foremost that God is love. Humanity, as we're going to look at today, has a broken concept of what love is. And so I just, I, I want to set firm the foundation right now that God is love. And that is the standard. He is the gold standard. Verse 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. I, 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 this language is really super cool. Because it says, this is real love. What that implies is, is that there's something that we know of love that isn't real. That implies that there's a love that you and I have maybe experienced in our life that is not real. What that, what that means is, it's not that you can't feel it, it's just that you were never intended to live in that kind of love. And it says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. And no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. I wonder right now if we're expressing the fullness of God's love in society or if we're expressing the fullness of humanity's desire to find pleasure for themselves. 
verse 13, and God has given us the spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. And furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the son of God has God living in them and they live in God. And we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love and God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. What this is also implying is that there is a love that you and I have the capacity to express, but it is less than perfect. Why? Because we are imperfect beings trying to express a love that was made perfect only in God himself. And we need Jesus Christ in us. So this expression of love can be made perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. And such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. And if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we are not fully experienced. We have not fully experienced his perfect love. In verse 19, I'm going to end on this. We love each other because he loved us first. I love uh, in verse 9, it says, God showed how much he loved us. This is speaking to value. How much? You know, it's it's super fascinating. Uh, I was talking to a neighbor of mine, and we were talking about house values. And they're so subjective. Do you know what the value of your home that you live in? It doesn't matter if you rent or you are paying a bank with a death note called mortgage. That's what mortgage comes from the word mortier, which is death. God showed us how much he loved us. He showed us the value. And value is an interesting thing because value is predicated on what somebody's willing to pay. So, If you read this, it says, God showed how much he valued, he loved us, he valued us by sending his one and only son. That was the cost. What was he willing to pay? He was willing to pay a priceless cost to show his love, his value for you. In fact, what ends up happening is, is in honoring you and sending his son, he has affixed a price on your head and it's priceless. That you've been loved by a God who sees you and your value is priceless. And it says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. And this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. See, this, this idea that real love means Based on what I just read, this is, this is how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to redefine this for us because I want this to be really clear. This is what I just read, the definition of love, of real love, because we can, uh, can, can we just all admit that sometimes we use the word love for some really funny things. I love In-N-Out, Chick-fil-A, my car. Listen to the definition of real love. 
Real love was that God loved us without the condition of our agreement first. Nowhere in Scripture did God come to us before he sent his son Jesus Christ. He gave his son Jesus Christ. Nowhere in Scripture did he come and say, Art of negotiation. Let's make a deal. If we can agree, I'll send my son. In fact, he did it without condition, and that's what we call unconditional love. God's unconditional love, what it did was, is it added value. So here's what real love is. It's unconditional acts of adding priceless value. Based on that, I want to tell you something. It is impossible for me to love my car. You know why? Because no matter what rims I put on, no, no matter how much I try to like flat black, because I, I just want to, my goal is to just own a car one day that everything is matte black. That's my goal. That's not, you're thinking like, that's it. That's my whole life bucket list right there. No, I'm just kidding. You know, it's okay to have fun things like that in your life, but, but, but for me to think that I love my car because of that, let, let me put it in perspective. Am I unconditionally acting in a way that's adding priceless value to that vehicle? No. In fact, let me tell you something. That car, every time you get up in the morning and you go look at it, is depreciating in value. And nothing you do, you're just dressing up a pig that's on the way to slaughter. See, real love means that whatever I'm doing isn't based on condition, that God didn't wait for us to agree with him. He said, I- I'm, I'm going to love you regardless. In fact, Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet still sinners in rebellion. We, while we were still missing the mark. It's this idea of a father loving their child when they're still making a mess. When we were still making a mess, God sent his love because love creates space for a mess to become a masterpiece. Love adds value to whatever it encounters. I love, you know, this concept of love adding value to whatever it encounters. It, It... it gives me this picture of investing in something with no promise of return. That's what real love is. That, that, that's, that's what being loved by God means, that he invested in us by sending his son with no promise of return. And, and that's not how we're wired. We're wired in a way that's like, I'll invest in your company. I'll invest in you as long as I know what I'm going to get in return. So first, let's talk about what I'm going to get in return before I even give you an investment. We call it an ROI, a return on investment. Love, love, love just moves in faith and trust and says, I, I am gonna, I'm going to walk and move in a way that is counterintuitive to the way that humans, almost innately the, the way that we want to love things and people around us. Godly love is selfless, and sin has crippled humans' capacity to love in a selfless manner. There, there, there's, there's a theory that says 
that even when we're loving in our own capacity from the purest part of our human heart, even when we're loving from that place, like the, think about the person that, like the best person you've ever met, like they're, they're, they're good people. They're gooder than good. I know that's not proper English. I'm purposefully using that word. They're, they're, they're good on steroids. Even that person, that good person loving from that place is still somewhere inside of them going to love from a position of being selfish. Even if it's a boost of my ego to be able to know in my heart, maybe I never even vocalize it, but in my heart I go, oh man, I am a selfless lover. In that very moment, honestly, in that very moment, that thing that wells up in you that says, I'm good at this, is, is proof that you're loving so that you can be satisfied by that feeling. Instead of just being what it is. And I want to tell you that being loved through an encounter with the person of love, Jesus, being loved through an encounter with the person of love is necessary to even begin to understand what true love is. The number one thing that we, that we hear poems are written about and songs are written about are this giant theme. I could boil, like a theme of a song is boiled down to one thing, love. It's about the pursuit of it. It's about the heartbreak of it. It's about the, the highs and the lows, the absence of it, the need for it, the craving for it, the disdain for it, the hurt by it. Next time you turn on the radio, you're never going to hear things the same way because I almost guarantee you, you can trace whatever is being written, whatever is being sung. You're, you're, you're seeing humanity living out the fact that we cannot escape, that we're trying to understand this giant concept of love. And, it, and I could preach for six weeks on, on this context of love, and I still don't think we would fully understand. I mean, I, I could point out in Scripture, where it says love, is, love doesn't envy and love doesn't boast, and it's, it's patient and it's kind and it's gentle. All those words are great, but even words can't describe the fullness of the experience of God's love. And God's love is real love. In Ephesians 3.19 says, may you experience the love of Christ. May you have an encounter with the love of Christ. My goal for you in your life, my goal every single time we gather on a Sunday and we're broadcasting or you come into context with, with or, or community with us is that you somehow would experience God's love. May you experience the love of Christ. Through it, it is too great to understand fully. Wait a minute. It's too great to understand fully? Yes, I don't think you and I will ever understand the fullness, the completeness, and the wholeness of God's love for us, that he would do something so crazy as to send his one and only son to die for you and I when we're the ones who created the separation. It says, then you will be made complete. That means that 
I'm living incomplete without God's love. You were made to be loved. And we run around and, and we're trying our hardest to be loved. We search for this being loved, right? From every place possible, but from the one source that we need to be loved by. We will put the responsibility of being loved on a spouse, on a child, on an employer, on a politician, on a leader, on a friend. And we will be sure to tell them how much they fail us. But let me tell you something. Humans are imperfect and we will have failing points. I cannot and should not, and I would implore you to do the same. Do not look to other humans for the perfect love that only Jesus Christ can bring to you in your life. For us to even begin to understand what real love is, we have to then embrace this encounter and this experience with the God of love through his son, Jesus Christ. Now the problem with this is, is that if I'm incomplete without God's love and then somehow I'm made complete through his love, that means it changes me. And God's love changes people. And sometimes people, they're afraid of what a changed life looks like. So they avoid even being loved by God. Some of us stop God from loving us in areas of our life because we know that when we get close to the person of love, he's going, it, it, it doesn't demand it, it commands it. Like, uh, th there's this song, when, when you walk into the room, everything changes. Talking about Jesus. When Jesus walks in the room, everything changes. And I, I, I really believe this. I believe that society knows that if we put God in the center of society, that it changes everything. But the change that we want, we think we can bring our own strategies, our own plans, And it's clear to me that being loved by God is the only strategy. Being loved by God is the only thing that's truly going to bring justice. Because God is a God of justice. God has proven in this picture of his son Jesus that he is a good relational steward. Because he loved God. First, without condition. An act that added value to you. Now, let me say something. The value of your life existed already. I'm wondering if you have at least come into agreement with how you see yourself and your value compared to how God sees it. By sending his son Jesus, he was showing you the value he had for your life the entire time. Being a good relational steward requires encountering the love of God. You know, number two, being a good relational steward means being love, not just being loved but being love. Dear friends, it says in verse 11, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. And this is, we surely ought to. Kind of sounds like, hey, it'd be kind of nice if you maybe thought about. It's not a suggestion. 
In the book of Matthew, these Pharisees asked Jesus, these rulers of the law, these guys who brought human judgment, human plans, human strategies to how we're supposed to love one another, and they were trying to trap Jesus, so they asked him, hey, what's the greatest command? And Jesus, Jesus is like, you know, love God with everything. I'm paraphrasing this. And love your neighbors. You know what your neighbor is? The word neighbor defined means everybody, specifically the person who's in front of you. It's not predicated on race, political affiliation, language, height, weight, mental capacity, physical capacity. It's not predicated on anything. Here's the only thing that needs to happen to qualify the person in front of you to be loved. They're breathing and they're in front of you. And God has affixed a value on their life that says they're priceless. And we should love what God loves. It's just that simple. So God says, love me with everything. And love everyone around you the way that you've been loved. And it's a command, not a suggestion. Verse 12 of this says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and is brought to full expression in us. This concept of full expression of God's love in us. Being loved by God is brought to full expression when we love other people. You, when, when you, when you and I understand being loved by God, we become the expression of God's love when we love other people. The best thing that you and I can do to love someone is bring them into an encounter and an understanding of the greatest act of love ever known. That if I truly love you, what I'm going to do is bring you into an experience and an encounter with the God whose name is love. I, 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 would, I would petition you that if you really believe deep in your heart that you're being loved by God, that God is love, that he sent his son Jesus Christ to do the unthinkable, to reconcile a relationship that was broken and to do it without condition, and to add priceless value to your life. If you really believe that, I would petition you. Why would you not want the people around you to walk into the same experience? Why are we not raving fans? A raving fan, this is the term, an evangelist. We think, oh my gosh, evangel well, I don't want to be an evangelist. I'd have to stand on a corner and shout at people and tell them what I'm against. I don't know what concept you have, but an evangelist is just a raving fan. And I can, I can bet, I would bet a large sum of money that if I spent more than an hour with you, I would hear language in you that would point me to what you're a raving fan of. We buy jerseys and put other people's names on our back. Pfft, you should be a fan of who's the greatest? Kobe? Jordan? LeBron? I'm a raving fan. We become evangelists of other humans 
more than we become evangelists of the only one who became human to place a value on our lives. And it's like we're walking around as secret spy Christians. Like, I don't want anyone to know that I'm a raving fan of Jesus because of what he did. Because when I had an encounter with him, family, it, it, it changed my life. Something changed in me. Every morning when I wake up, I'm like, God, I want to have an experience with you somehow today. I want to have a moment with you, God, because I know that I still need to be changed. <laughs> Being loved shares Jesus by showing Jesus. How do we make this tangible? Being love shares who Jesus is by showing who Jesus is. In fact, I would suggest that we stop talking about who Jesus is and start moving like Jesus moved. How did Jesus move? He moved in action and truth, and we have to move like Jesus moved. 1 John 3, 18, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech. Wait, what? This is a gut check for me. How often do I say like, oh, when, 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 this is an interesting relationship dynamic. I don't, I just don't feel like you love me. Guys, when, when a female says this to you, I'm like, if you're not married, I'm giving you premarital marital counsel, okay? When you hear a woman say this to you, this should not be your response. I just don't feel like you love me. And this is most often a guy's response. Uh, I tell you that I love you. Do you know what she's saying? Your actions. Or a whisper compared to the shout of your language right now. And let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Every time Jesus came on the scene, love one. Jesus showed up. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son Whoever believes in him shouldn't perish, but have what? Eternal life. That's what you were made for, by the way. To be loved by God, to live in relationship with him forever and ever and ever. Okay? Now, we already established that you cannot fully understand the depths of that experience in love. So when we start trying to wrap our human brains around eternity, living with God, all that, just like stop. I'm just going to get like, bro, you're never going to understand it. Why? Because scripture told me that I'm never fully going to understand it. So every time Jesus shows up, something changes and love wins. Love wins. Being loved by God wins. Being love the way God loved us wins because God's love never quits. There's a famous psalm, Psalm 23 and 
verse 6 of that psalm, this is what it says. Surely goodness and unfailing love will what? Will pursue me all the days of my life. Why is it unfailing? Because it doesn't quit. The best advice I could give you in relationship, the best advice I could give you in business, the best advice I could give you in life is the person who wins is the person who just gets up after they've been knocked on their butt. The person who wins is the person that says, God doesn't have quit in him, and I'm made in his image, so I must not have quit in me. Love never fails because God's love is always in pursuit of you and is always in pursuit of me and will never give up. But you don't understand, Pat. Like I said yes to Jesus, but then I woke up this morning and I was in someone else's bed. You know, I, I went out last night. You don't know where I was last night. and You don't know what I've been doing behind the scenes and the quiet and the secret. You don't understand. I'm like, but God's love pursues you. Ha! His love wins. When you're at your worst. When you're a mess. It's his love that stepped in and created the space for your mess to become his masterpiece. The only way for our love to fail is if we fail to love family. People are like, we need better answers in 2020. Love doesn't work. We need laws and legislation. Love doesn't work. I would, I would say to you, I agree, but I don't think the answer is laws and legislation. We need to stop loving out of human terms and we need to start loving out of godly terms. From the beginning, I'm going to summarize this. From the beginning in creation, this is what God said. Okay, humans, I'm going to love you you're going to love me. You're going to get together and love each other. And you're going to take really good care of creation, okay? That's your job. And we had one job. Love. We messed it up. He's making it a masterpiece. Why don't you join me in standing today? I want to encourage those of you who are fearful of loving others the way that I just described. You've been hurt. You've been taken advantage of. You've been used. Those are all things that human love will breed. I'm going to acknowledge that. I've been there. I've probably been the offender of those things. I'm sure that I have. Why? Because I believe when I woke up this morning, I was still human. I am no different. But I want to tell you that God's love makes you and makes myself brave to be able to love others with whole hearts because God loved you and he loved me with a whole heart first. What would it look like What would it look like if we didn't need all the disclaimers and the contracts and the disclosures, the prenuptial agreements? 
we just said, you know, I'm just going to give everything the way that God gave everything. What would, what would your life look like? What would our church look like? What would our cities look like? What would this country, what would it look like? Let's pray. Are you being a good relational steward when it comes to being loved by God? These are your own questions to answer. And are you being a good relational steward when it comes to being love? Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, no matter where we're at in the journey of being loved by you, that you would take us into a deeper experience and an encounter with who you are in your son, Jesus Christ. That you would redefine what the world has tried to define. Let me, let me say that this way. That you would redefine what the enemy tried to define out of his selfishness of wanting to receive all of the accolades and love. The selfish act of an enemy named Satan who was jealous that we were in awe and that we loved you and there was a reciprocal value that as we loved you, you loved us, we loved each other and Satan wanted to break that. So Lord, I speak against the dysfunction of this idea that love is predicated on what we do for each other. God, that we can be loved, that we can be a tangible example of how your son moves. Jesus, that you left us the Holy Spirit to empower us. It says that the fruit of your spirit, this is how we've been entrusted. This is how we've been empowered, is that the fruit of your spirit is love. The very first thing is love. So God, let us embrace being loved and bring encounters of being loved. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said, amen and amen.